you already been blessed? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Megan. And uh, man, thank you, choir, orchestra, instrumentalists. We've had folks saved at both uh, nights. And many, many numerous decisions made in both of these. Tonight's in the last service. It is sold out. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> Brother Aaron's shaking his head. I'm not promising you any supper. But if you show up and hold into a room, we'll crowd you in by the kitchen door to see it. It's worth it. Okay, well, we'll move them over to the right. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. <sighs> Be turning to Matthew one twenty one, if you would. Just one verse of Scripture this morning. The Bible says in Matthew one twenty one, She shall bring forth a son, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I don't know about you, but the the older I get, the harder it is to see hurt, pain, agony, all the things that surround us. Knowing that if folk would just come to Jesus, if folks would just come to Jesus. Several years ago, there was a revolt in Bethlehem. The Palestinians controlled that city. and In the support of the revolt, Bethlehem canceled all the Christmas activities. Some of y'all may remember that. Palestinian town where Jesus was born And the mayor said this, he said, we don't see any reason to celebrate Christmas. Mm. We don't see any reason to celebrate Christmas. Now one thing stands out in that quote, and that is the mayor definitely doesn't know what Christmas is about. I mean, that's as obvious as it can be. But I want to tell you one thing that just popped in my face. Buddy, you may cancel the celebration, but you ain't going to cancel the Savior. He came. He's here. And uh, I just, what, what would you do if somebody just canceled your birthday, said, you know, I don't see no reason to celebrate your birthday. Now that may just be fine with some of y'all, but it ticked me off. There are not many days in this world that I get to celebrate my birthday is one of them. Bless God, you better celebrate it. We would be deeply offended. I heard about a little boy that wrote this letter to his grandmother, said, Dear Grandmother, I'm very sorry that I forgot your birthday last week. It would serve me right if you forgot mine next Tuesday. (laughs) It's amazing to see how conveniently we forget Christmas. I, uh, several years running, I just kind of keep a list of the most popular Christmas songs. Uh, last year, the number one song was 
the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. And that's the number one song throughout the 20th, 21st century, uh, Nat King Cole. Number two song last year was White Christmas. Number three, Winter Wonderland. Number four, Silver Bells. And number five was a tie, I'll Be Home for Christmas and Jingle Bells. Now, out of the last century, the number, the top five songs, the number one Christmas song, Nat King Cole, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Judy Garland. Y'all remember Judy? I don't, but some of y'all old enough too. (laughs) The third song in the century was Happy Xmas from John Lennon, 1971. The fourth song was Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree with Brenda Lee. I know you rednecks know who Brenda Lee is. And the fifth one was Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Bruce Springsteen. Not a one of those songs have Jesus in it. Not a one. We're talking about the top five songs in our whole universe. Not a one of them have Jesus in it. The most popular songs. You see, guys, here's the deal. Christmas, and, and let me just be abrupt, and then you can get mad at me later. Send an email. We, we like to ride the Catholics because they keep Jesus on the cross. We say, Jesus is not on the cross, and he's not. But the Baptists want to keep him in a manger. Let me tell you, he's not in a manger either. When you're dealing with Christmas, you're dealing with a threefold thing. You're dealing with the cradle, with the cross, and with the crown. You can't, uh, you can't bypass that. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. We can't celebrate a baby without also going to the cross, and then we can't go to the cross and celebrate a baby without one day knowing we're going to wear a crown. All of this is going to be temporary. It's passed away. She'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, there are three stories here just quickly today. One is the story of man's sin. Christmas, when you say Christmas, it brings some bad news. There's some bad news coming. He came to save their people, his people from their sins. That means the bad news is we've got sin, folks. When the angel announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, he said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. He said, I've got some good news for you. The reason good news is at Christmas is because we already have the bad news. Romans 6 says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Isaiah, in the Old Testament, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. As Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 says we... Uh, the gift of God. The greatest theologian in the uh, New Testament, the Apostle Paul, said this, there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wisest man in the Bible, King Solomon, said this, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. And then in Psalms, God made his own search, and he said this in Psalms 14, he said, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. So the verdict this morning is man is depraved. We're sinful. But not only are we depraved, we're spiritually destitute. 
See, the bad news is we're depraved. The worst news is we're spiritually destitute. You can wash all you want to with the rags of righteousness. You can bathe in the water of all the rituals you want to. You can scrub yourself with the soap of religion. But you cannot remove the stain of sin. It won't happen. You can't do it. For though you wash yourself with lye, listen to Jeremiah. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. You scrub all you want to. You're not going to wash your sins away. You can plunge into the ocean of perfume of good works. Boy, I'm working for the Lord. I'm doing everything I can. But it's not going to remove the stench of sin. You can have the vaccine of church attendance. I'm here every time the doors are open. I'm a good person. You can have all that you want to. It's not going to wash your sins away. Man is not only depraved, he's not only spiritual destitute, but he's also spiritually desperate. We're hopeless before sin. Listen to what Jesus said. In John 8, 34, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Whoever commits sin. Now, I know technically we're talking about habitual sin, but whoever's living in sin becomes a slave to sin. I'm, I'm thrilled today with all of the modern emphasis on how we ought to be debt free and how we ought not to charge anything and all this stuff, you know. A lot of those folk never were raised in the woods where you didn't have anything. Thank God, 40 years ago for Sears and Roebuck and Montgomery Ward. We never would have got nothing for Christmas. Thank God for that. And I'm all for all of that. But I'm just saying this morning, it looks to me like in my spirit that there's a lot of you a whole lot more concerned with your financial debt than you are with your spiritual debt. And according to the Word of God, if you're enslaved in sin, you literally are debted. You're a debtor. And Psalm says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We're vulnerable to sin's death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. If there were no sin, there would have been no Savior. There'd been no Savior, there'd be no Christmas. So Christmas has got to begin with the story of man's sin. That's what it's all about. That's why he came. Remember? She shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now there's a story also, not only of man, but there's a story of God here. And his son, from the very beginning of the human race, God was getting this this, uh, nation, this earth, ready for Christmas. He said in Genesis 3.15, that's the first Christmas sermon, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and believe between your seed and her seed. She shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Isaiah 14, that's the first Christmas prophecy. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then you got not only the first Christmas, the first prophecy, you got the first Christmas story, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
You see, you can't just stop with a way in a manger. You can't just stop with old little town of Bethlehem. Because that's just the cradle. That's the first stop. The old rugged cross is just as much a part of Christmas as angels we've heard on high. The Bible says from the time that Jesus was born, he lived under the shadow of the cross. From the very time he was born. We don't have to wonder why at any certain time suddenly Jesus came to the cross. The Word of God tells us that. When the fullness of, of, uh, of, of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That's why he came. To redeem those who were under the law. Let me give you this last thing in retreat. There's a story of salvation here. Story of man's sin. Destitute. Desperate. Nothing we can do. Hopeless. But the story of God's son. He was born to save his people from their sin. And here's the third story. Our salvation. Christmas tells us three things about this thing called salvation. I love it. Hmm. First of all, it's comprehensive. I, I done looked this up, folks. I done looked it up in the Greek. I looked it up in the Hebrew. I looked it up in the Latin. I looked it up in the English. When he says in Luke 2.10, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I looked up that word all. You know what? It means all. It means the same. I don't care Japanese, French, I don't care what language. All means all. He's bring, This thing's comprehensive. You're sitting here this morning saying, well, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I'm telling you, my God and my Savior is saying, I'm bringing good tidings so that all men can be saved. That's what the Word of God says. Let me, let me give it to you out of 1 Timothy. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You want to know what one of the greatest truths in this whole book right here is? It's found in Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's probably the greatest truth you'll read anywhere in this book right here. You've got an opportunity to be saved. You say, preacher, you don't... You don't know me. No, you don't know my God. He loved you so much that he died for you. And he didn't just die for a certain group of people or a certain race of people or a certain congregation. He died for all. Good tidings I bring to all. So it's comprehensive. It includes everybody. Don't let anybody tell you, well, you've gone too far. Now, I'm going to be technical with you. There is a, a day where you sin unto death and God leaves you alone. You say, well, that may be where I am. Well, it may be. And if it is, you can't be saved. That's it. But if you're sitting here in this service this morning and your heart's pounding, God ain't left you alone. There's still time for you to be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Not only is it comprehensive, <laughs> it's complimentary. Now, it cost Jesus his life. Becky and I went to see the Astros play the Yankees. And uh, I, I spent more than I should have on those tickets. But, you know, you get in the flesh and you want to have a good time. Nothing wrong with some of that stuff. None at all. But when it came time to go to the World Series, 
I, I know people who paid $5,000 for one little old seat to sit in that thing to watch a ball game. I thought, wow. And the Super Bowl coming up, you know, God forbid Dallas. I, I hate Dallas. If they ever get in the Super Bowl, Texas is going to be bankrupt. Because <laughs> I know rednecks who will spend every dime they've got and every dime they'll ever make the rest of their life to go see them in the Super Bowl. I mean, it costs big money to go to an event, and yet when you come to your salvation, the eternal life that you need, complimentary. You say, well, I, somebody invites you over for dinner, and you say, well, what can I bring? Don't bring nothing, everything's done. Well, no, i got to bring something. I mean, there's some people that are going to bring something, and then you tell them, no, don't bring nothing. They're going to show up with something anyway. Don't go with the meal anyway. You stuck it out there and go on anyway. But I tell you, when you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, it's so big, what can I bring? And Jesus said, nothing. It's all done. It's all paid for. You can't do anything to it. You can't add anything to it. You say, yeah, but Jesus, that's not the way my mind works. I've got to bring something with me. Jesus said, you bring whatever you want to you. Your righteousness is going to be like filthy rags. You do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, your salvation is complimentary. Hmm. Let me give you this last thing. Complimentary. It is comprehensive. And it's complete. <laughs> you ever give anybody anything and then want it back? Now, I know y'all wouldn't do that. You're good people. But I'm sure people have done that to you before. They gave you a gift and then they say, you know, if you're not going to use that, would you give that back to me? I could use that back. <laughs> I'm so thankful this morning that our Lord, we call that Indian giving. I don't know why. I'm so thankful this morning that our Lord's not an Indian giver. Have you ever thought about the fact that you got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and He redeemed your life and then you did something and you said, oh my, God said, look, I can't, I can't go on. I've got to take my salvation back. I can't do it anymore for you. Wouldn't that be terrible? He's not an Indian giver. It's complete. It's complete. Several years ago, I was in the middle of a fight in a deacon's meeting. It wasn't about me, thank goodness. But one of the deacons, a very wise man, Becky knows him very well. And, uh, it, well, she knows both of them very well. Uh, but he said, let's... Let, Let's take a coffee break. Now, this was, this is 40 years ago. So it was no big deal for the deacons, a couple of them, to go out and light up a cigarette, you know, and have a little coffee out next door. In fact, the first church I was at, I, I literally did that. I put a King Edward cigar in the middle desk of my drawer, and during deacons' meeting, I just pulled that thing out and lit it up. They all like to have a stroke. I said, there's no different me smoking the King Edward here and you smoking right out there. So we shut all of that down, praise the Lord. But anyway, we had this break and, and, and this very wise older deacon asked one of the younger guys who was very, he was just hot-headed about it. He said, could I bum a cigarette from you? And he said, oh yeah, yeah, here he is. And uh, he took that cigarette and just crumbled it up. 
just crumpled it on the ground. Well, the guy got hot. He was hot. He was already hot, but he got hot there. He said, I didn't give you that cigarette to crumble up on the ground. He said, then that means you didn't give it to me. Because see, if you give me something, it's mine to do what I want to with. It's not yours anymore. I've had people do that with stuff at the church. I want to donate this table, but now I want to sit right down. Well, you keep it home then. Because we'll sit it wherever God leads us to sit it. Amen? I heard an old story of a Scottish physician who was famous, not only because of his skill of medicine, he's a very good doctor, but because of his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, his love for his patients. And after this physician died, the executors of his estate were going through his books, and they found notation after notation after notation written in bright red ink that said, forgiven, too poor to pay. Forgiven, too poor to pay. And he had negated account after account after account. Well, his wife wasn't nearly the Christian that her husband was. She was greedy. And she didn't have the compassionate heart of her husband. And she was determined to collect those bills. So she took them to court sued the individuals, every one of them. And at the trial, the judge asked the widow one question. He said, ma'am, are these red ink notations in your late husband's handwriting? And she said, yes. And then he threw out all the the cases and said this, there is no court in all of the land that can collect money from accounts that the doctor has marked forgiven. You listen to me today. You don't get anything else. When Christ marks forgiven over the doorposts of your life or your sin, there's no court, nobody who can take it off. That's what Christmas means. He's marked forgiven so that we can have eternal life. I'm asking you this morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, today, Make this the day of salvation. Come and one of us will meet you here. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've already seen Dickens of a Christmas and man, God's already got all over you. Every time I listen to it, I get under conviction again about making room for Jesus. Maybe some of you have already got your whole month so planned that there's not even room for Jesus. But today you'd say, come and just say, look, I, I need to make room for Jesus. But I think I'm preaching to a lot more people that's going to fall right here. Maybe you're like me. That you let sin creep into your life and literally enslave you. And this morning you will come and stand and say, look, Lord, I know I'm saved, but I've gotten so attached here and I've gotten so here and I just want you to know, Lord Jesus, I'm going to repent of my sin and I'm going to follow you. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for the Spirit that's in this place. Thank you for the touch of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you have freedom this morning? Would you touch lives, young, old, 
middle-aged, children. Lord, whoever this morning, you know every one of our hearts. You know everything about us. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to have your way today. That, Lord, we would remember the true meaning of Christmas. God, just have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. We're going to stand together.